and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. I'm Chad Bogleman. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 517. You can do the woohoo though, Dan, if you want. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> the guest woohoo. Uh, hey, there's a lot to woohoo about tonight. That is true, considering some of the other topics that we've had, that this is something to at least momentarily give a legitimate woohoo about. <laughs> What are we woohooing? Yes, Dan, what are we woohooing? Well, I don't know if you guys have heard or not, but we have a brand new Green Lantern ongoing series, the first issue of which is right here in front of us. Lies. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're starting the Thorn run over. <laughs> Let's, everybody pull out your copy of Future State Green Lantern number one. Let's get this going. And then we're canceled. For good. <laughs> I mean, it'll come, but just not for that. Uh, <laughs> Probably so. So diving right into it, I guess. We got Green Lantern, number one, written by Jeremy Adams with art by Zermanico, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., and letters by Dave Sharp. The issue's title is Back on Earth. And true to the title, Hal Jordan has returned to Coast City, and people are excited to have their hero back. What they don't realize is that Hal returned to Earth because he quit the Green Lantern Corps. You know, after the disappearance of the Guardians, the United Planets took control of the Corps and made Sector 2814 off limits, deeming it unsafe. All human members of the Green Lantern Corps were reassigned to other sectors, but Hal wasn't having it, and he quit in protest. Hal thought he could just go home and slide back into his old life, but what he found is that everyone moved on without him. Carol has a new boyfriend. Pilots are being phased out in favor of remote-controlled drones. He has no money, and his 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 squatting in his brother's trailer. And I suspect his brother doesn't even know. But when Coast City is attacked by a supervillain, Hal instinctively rushes to in to save the day. Only he doesn't have a ring anymore, so the best he can do is try to run the bad guy over with a truck. Uh, it turns out the villain is just some guy who got his hands on Manhunter armor and decides to pay, to pay Hal back for the truck hit by shooting him point-blank range with an energy beam. Unfortunately for this wannabe supervillain, the Manhunters run on the same power source as the Green Lanterns, and shooting Hal just gave him a large amount of green willpower energy. So he forms a new Green Lantern ring from this energy and is ready to do what he does best. And do we want, should I sum up the John thing too, or? I mean, I would say so. Yes, yes, that's what I was saying, but I was muted, so so I was saying it to myself. Perfect. (laughs) Flawless. (laughs) 
then we have an eight-page John Stewart backup story written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Montos, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Dave Sharp. This story's title is Rise of the Revenant Queen Part 1. After a long and transformative journey through space, John Stewart has returned home to visit his mom while he thinks about what he wants to do next with his life. Meanwhile, in another universe, an elderly guy gardener and a new recruit named Shepard are the last line of defense protecting the eternal witch, not witchfire, the eternal watchfire from the forces of the radiant dead. The watchfire seems to be a sort of central battery stand-in, and destroying it will cut power to rings across the universe. The two lanterns are unable to hold back the enemy and are quickly struck down by the Revenant Queen, mother of the Bright Revenant, and she will not stop until she's taken revenge on Jon Stewart for killing her son. Damn that Jon Stewart killing people and causing problems. Planets, people, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Good job, Dan. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I don't know about you guys, but I like this issue a lot. Oh yeah, it was good. It's a good start. That's for that's for damn sure. Yeah, for sure. I really enjoyed it. It's a it's a really good first issue. I like how it both m- makes you like Hal and kind of hate Hal at the same time. And I don't mean hate, but like he's kind of a jackass, <laughs> as, oh, yeah. as I guess he should be. Um, but uh, but yeah. most, you mean mostly with Carol? With, with with regards to Carol, both professionally and romantically. So, like, speaking to the professional side first, because God knows we can spend all day on the romantic side. But speaking professionally, when he wrecks that drone and does all that stuff that he's doing, he's like he he then he he takes it a step further beyond the whole "Hey, I'm back, babe, want to get dinner" type of thing, uh, and straight into like trying to tell her how to do her business. He's been off Earth so long. He is just now coming to a debate that's already been essentially closed, and that is the manned pilots versus drones debate that has been happening in American military or just military in general for a long time because, you know, the cost of lives versus tech and so on and so forth. This has been a debate that's been going on for a long, long time. And essentially that I don't want to say the debate is over because it'll probably rage on in different iterations for a long time. But it's it's gone on long enough to where it seems like we've picked a direction military wise and therefore that's what the companies are producing and testing and so on and so forth. So he is starting a debate that's already essentially been closed, trying to tell this woman how to run her business and being a stuck up arrogant jackass about it the entire time, Uh, (laughs) which, uh, you know, maybe a little harsh (laughs) in how I describe it, but it, it honestly. It feels weird to say, like, I can forgive him for his arrogance and assuming he can come back and, you know, just jump right back into Carol's life. But how he's treating her professionally kind of pissed me off, but not in a way that made me dislike the character. It just made me go, oh, you know, of course, that's something Hal would do. And he's not doing it maliciously, obviously. Uh, It's just, you know, he's spouting off at the mouth about something he doesn't know about, essentially, at this point. He's He's jumping in with knowledge that's... I don't know, five, ten years out of date. Yeah, and that's the really cool thing about all this, because he thinks he can just pick back up with his old life, but he's been gone so long that the confidence he's always had is now entirely misplaced because everyone else on Earth 
has moved on in ways that he hasn't and he has not acclimated to any of it and like i the way that you feel about hal's professional side of it is the way i feel about the romantic side of it because he he's like hey hey let's hey old flame let's get back together and she said no i've actually i'm dating somebody right now and and he waits five minutes before asking her to dinner again and it's like buddy come on you 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 ask somebody out you present them with a yes or no question no is a valid answer move the hell on like i i feel like i'm largely alone in green lantern fandom and that i do not like these two as a couple just because like they are so opposite in so many ways which yeah i get that those can attract and everything but they're so far in the opposite directions that they just don't ever work and I no really i've gone on record of, of i mean i think we had a whole episode about this a long time ago which is basically the premise of is hal and carol as iconic or an institutionalized of a relationship that should be always in canon as Barry Iris, as Clark Lois, and so on and so forth. And I I think for different reasons, you and I came out on the same side of that. Okay, I forgot we did that. We've done a lot of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we did just say 517, right? <laughs> yes, yes, we did. And that's not even counting all of them. No, no, no. Yeah, this this is going on way too long. Let's just stop and let's leave now. (laughs) I I think for going back to what happens in this issue, I I think that is an interesting debate just generally between Hal, the Hal Carroll debate, because I think I think it ebbs and flows through different periods. Like like when I wrote my Green Lantern screenplays, I purposely did not. I mean, Carol and Hal were involved, but that was not the main focus of Hal's romantic relationship because they kind of. Because of the butting of the heads between the two of them, it's like, well, that's not going to work. So we start there and we and we and we kind of go in our separate separate ways. Because at that point, a lot of people had that view that Carol and Hal is like they really don't work together. And even though they're always thrown together, it's not a coupling that really is that needs to happen or should happen because they don't work. But maybe during the John's run, it kind of we certainly got the kind of like the soulmates destined no matter what's going on at some point. They're going to be together. And to be fair, even since since we talk, I've talked about this a lot along with Jim with this, with the whole Spectre run. There was an element of that, too, that in that the, that these two people were always connected in many different ways in different lives in lives and in different incarnations. They always had a, a relationship. It wasn't always romantic. It wasn't always sexual. But they always there was some relationship between these two souls, these individuals. They were always destined to be to be involved in, with each other in, in their lives. And Mark, you might be the one to ask about this, because for a while now, I've been trying to figure out where this was referenced, and I can't find it. When Hal was dead, didn't Carol get married? Yes. Was that in the Spectre run, or was that yes, somewhere else? I believe she was, I think she was our, because this was in the beginning of the Spectre run, I think, when we dealt with it. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure, yes, I believe she was married, and that was covered, and, and that was covered in the beginning, like the first, maybe... It was focused on like in the first third or uh, of the book, maybe like within the first ten issues. So I think that oh, yeah, we, we also saw it in Rebirth because when Hal visited her on the Ferris aircraft and started rebuilding everything, she met him in the rain and she said something about a husband. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I think that yeah, but I think I, yeah. So it's it it first. I think the first idea or reference of that that Carol truly had moved on was yeah. It, it was it was referenced I think in during the Spectre room. Because I remember in an early issue of the John's run after Rebirth, uh, there was 
there was some kind of I think there was a scene where like Carol was flying a jet or something and Tom comments on how like oh yeah she's changed a lot since the divorce and how's like divorce and that's the last time it's ever come up <laughs> so yes their relationship is what whether they're meant to be together that's that's always debatable now related to this issue and Chad and I talked about this off air a little bit most of what most of what happens in this issue with Carol especially professionally I get while she's kind of pissed at Hal and not being and understandably so and I'm not saying even romantically she doesn't have a right to be but we don't but it's so confusing about where they left off, not necessarily just to the writer, but probably to us, because because we see them interact and come together momentarily here and there, and then they go their separate ways again. So we don't. So it's, so it's hard to know what the status quo is romantically. So it seemed they weren't together, and it seemed obviously she knows what Hal has been up to, generally speaking, because he's. It's not like he's been just hey, he's not Captain Kirk sleeping his way through the universe. Because we certainly know, based on what we've seen in, in the Green Lantern comics, Hal hasn't really had much romantically going on in most of most of the last few years anyway. But we know she knows what he's doing as Green Lantern. So her animosity towards him on a personal level, it se- I can't say it seemed inappropriate, but it kind of seemed on some level it's like, well, maybe she was be- giving him a little bit too much of a hard time personally. But he, that balances out when, yeah, with, with him making it sound like, oh, that they have the, now again we don't know what their relationship was like when when he left but if there were but she he more or less acted like hey not necessarily hey a, a, a girl in every port but the fact that in this in, in co-sitting when he's in town hey you know we're gonna get together he kind of acted like that was on that level being presumptuous so i can understand why she didn't she would react to it but just generally speaking i don't know if go ahead no no you're good i think I see what you mean, but at the same time, I think if you're, I think that maybe comes from reading between the lines a little too much. I if I think if I'm taking what I'm reading on the panel in the sequence that I'm reading in at face value, she obviously goes through avoidance tactics to avoid seeing him, but she doesn't harshly shut him down until the moment he says, "You look good, Carol," and she's like, "No," like she's is she anticipating that's where he's going. Yes, but she's giving him, I, I want to say the benefit of the doubt, but um, again, this is also a reading in between the lines. It seems like she's giving him the benefit of the doubt up until he makes that move. And and then he, even when she says, I've moved on, he's like, anyone I know. So she gets him back on track with the job thing and says, and then he continues with a let's have dinner line. And she just frustrated, no, takes off. Uh, so like he's pushing it, he's being an ass, uh, quite frankly, like the, the idea that you can float back into somebody's life and do that is just insane to me. And I get completely Dan's point of view on it. I think uh, also too, guys go listen to, uh, blog of Oa podcast of Oa's interview with Jeremy Adams. Uh, they also just released the other day, the, their Philip Kennedy Johnson interview as well. Uh, but the Jeremy Adams one I'm pointing out in particular, because, Jeremy himself tells a story in that interview of when he was in college and he fully admits, you know, hey, I was young. I was stupid. This is one of the things you learn growing up. Uh, And he said, you know, there was this girl in college that he was dating and broke it off with. And then she started dating another guy. And like if he bought her like a picture in a frame, Jeremy, in an attempt to get her back, would buy her a poster like he kept trying to one up the dude. Um, And then he ended up finally getting her back only to dump her again later, which obviously he feels bad about so on and so forth. You know, let him tell his story in his context. uh, It's out there. But he he compared it to that when we're talking about this moment where Hal's coming back and he fully admitted in said interview 
that even he doesn't know where he's taking Hal and Carol, which I think is an honest thing to say, because first of all, you, it, it obviously is honest just based on its face value, but I think I would probably be in the same position. Like I see both sides of the coin. Uh, I think if I look at everything I know about Hal and everything I know about Carol instinctively in my mind, I'd go, you know what? Hal's the type who would settle down when he's 50 or 60 and retired and he has no other choice. But I think based on how I would characterize Carol, and I'm talking about in a positive light, if I really liked her as a character and so on and so forth, then I would be mad at Carol if she waited around for him until said point, which ideally, if we rewind to the here and now is going to cause a butting of heads like we see here. So is it interesting? Is it sometimes irritating on both parties? Sure. But it's very honest, I think. And when I look at the page where Carol is on the phone with her receptionist and is like rushing out of the office, we get two close ups of her face and like the look in her eye and like the way her mouth contorts. Like this is like like Jeremy Adams uncertainty of where the relationship is going to go is all over Carol's face right now, because like this is the look of somebody who knows Hal is bad for her but also knows that how many like how many times they've fallen back into it with each other and she doesn't want that to happen but she knows it can happen and some part of her probably wants it to happen but i am i am afraid of hal's bad behavior being rewarded because of this uh, this idea of like oh this true love thing but also Everything else about this entire issue frames Hal's story as one about him having to start at a low point and grow as he learns that he can't just go back to the way his old life used to be. He's been away too long and some things he can't get back. Yet at the end of the issue, he does get something back. So it could go in either direction. I'm just hoping it goes in the more interesting one, which would require them to do something different than the cycle that they always fall into that makes sense i mean i do get it i mean i i it it wasn't necessarily like i said it wasn't necessarily that i didn't get where she was coming from and just just looking at where the relationship has begun in the past it's it just seems like on some levels we've been down this road before but i guess that's part i guess that's ultimately the point that that's what these characters are. It's like a it's like a vicious cycle that they can't even when they try to escape it. And of course, Carol's the one who is trying to escape it, which kind of like makes the conflict too. Is that she's trying to get out on the surface, like you probably for all the reasons you said, because she knows ultimately, while part of her doesn't want to get out, she knows this is not good for her based on history, and the odds are it's not going to change. While Hal is seemingly perfectly content with, hey, let's go down this road again because hey, it works for me. Also, the face Hal makes when he's leaning against her car and makes again when he asks her to dinner before she drives away. It is the most punchable face I have ever seen on Hal Jordan. And I wish Batman was here. <laughs> no, yeah, I got you. What do you guys think about the the, the side of just to, to pivot briefly here? What do we think of the moment on the trailer before he hears about what's going on downtown? Because he's having a conversation with himself but also acting the part of Kilowog here which is a trope that you see when someone is missing somebody now 
It could just be he's on Earth and it's been quarantined. Kilowog's not around. He misses Kilowog, blah, blah, blah. But it also, and, I, and I'm, I really don't think this is, is, is the case, but I have to bring up the possibility that Kilowog could be dead. I don't think that's where they're going. I'm 98% sure they're not. But we've seen this kind of thing portrayed on the page. You know, someone having a conversation with themselves. I miss you, buddy. And then I know what you'd say in this situation, like that sort of a thing. So it feels weird. I know we see Kilowog on the cover of like, I think the next issue or something like that. So I, I, and he's on the cover of this one, but I don't know where we're going with all of that. So. Well, on the very next page, he's looking up at the stars with a sad look on his face saying, up there, I had a job, friends, a purpose. Like he's he was imagining the other side of a conversation that he wishes he was having with his friend, and mm. not because Kilowog is dead, just because how how willingly put himself in the one spot in the universe that uh, uh, Green Lanterns aren't allowed to go anymore, so he can't see any of his friends anymore. Yeah, I think that's the pro. I think that's the 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 interpretation that's going to be right i'm sure kilowog's fine it's just hal's yeah. kind of hal's kind of just lamenting where he is even though in a way it was a very hal jordan like decision and you can't this and certainly i don't blame hal jordan for making that decision and, and i would not be taking orders from the from from the from the from the united planets that's for sure yeah uh, but i i cannot really get behind his logic because he says he basically says like, you know, it's one thing to take orders from the Guardians, but the United Planets, that's too much. Meanwhile, I'm I mean, I'm I've kind of lost count. How many genocides have the Guardians done? Like the Manhunters and how many planets were were washed over by the Third Army and and, and what was wasn't one of those uh prophecies of the Blackest Night is like the Guardian's ninth secret will be revealed or something like that? <laughs> yeah, they got they got at least another one in there. Oh, and oh, and don't forget, one of them did Blackest Night. Like so the the Guardians like I think what it comes down to is like the Guardians gave him more latitude to do what he wanted, and the United Planets aren't. So well, he re- I, he rebelled. I think it's I think it there's there may be an element of that, but I think it go it's deeper than that because at the end of the day. The Guardians still created the Green Lantern Corps and the Guardians still understand they they understand it to a certain extent because we know they're 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 not <laughs> they're removed enough where they that's what gets them into trouble. But the point is they have, quote unquote, earned the right to lead the Green Lantern Corps. These guys have no right to lead the Green Lantern Corps and they have no right to be making decisions for the Green Lantern Corps. So I, I, I completely can understand why Hal Jordan would tell them would not agree with this at all and say, I, I'm going to. It symbolically take my ring and go home. <laughs> well, what I don't understand is this this uh, odd decision to make him drinking soda when he is. This scene is screaming out. He is he is getting drunk alone in the desert, looking at the sky, feeling sad. I think it's an acknowledgement of the past because right. of his alcoholism. Yep. That's I the way I took it too. That. Yeah, that's the way I think that. I think that's a callback to, which in a way is is something that speaks maybe to some growth in Hal because he's not falling back into that habit and showing you that at least he remembers that this is that would be a dangerous road to go down with all the problems that I have right now or already perceived to have. This is one that I that would definitely be a mistake. So I'm not going to go down that road. It is weird. There's no, there's no, re- there's no doubt. It's weird. If you're like having Hal Jordan throw back a root beer, it's real, really weird conceptually. But 
It's been so long, I didn't even remember that about him. Yeah, it wasn't like a demon in the bottle type of thing, but it, it was it was a, a, a part of his history for sure. And this thing is full of callbacks, including his own costume. The fact that we lost the shoulder, the green shoulders and he, we, we go back to the Silver Age design. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, which so, I don't I don't really like, but I do. I don't think it matters too much, to be honest. I think I think the, the since the fact that the costumes are designed by the, the wearer's will or something, there may be even something subconsciously in how that's just reaching out for something. And I think it's very clear from some of the stuff that's happening in the story that he's he's forced himself to even if he doesn't like the decision he had to make, make he feels it was at his core the right decision. So he has to live with the circumstances of making said decision, which pushes him into longing for the way things were. So that would make sense to me. I mean, I, again, lots of reading between the lines and stuff, but that that would make sense to me. And I mean, uh, circling back to Carol, just real quick, uh, Jeremy Adams experience writing on the Green Lantern animated series where he wrote a lot of Green Lantern, you know, Hal Jordan and Kilowog. So, mm-hmm. again, another reason I'm pretty confident Kilowog's not dead uh so on and so forth um but also carol has carol doesn't have the same relationship with her abilities and her being chosen by the zamorans and so on and so forth and her own history and that right that hal has to his own so if hal were to get in a situation where he didn't you know, was not connected to the Green Lantern Corps and didn't have his ring, he would find a situation which would allow him to be a hero again, which he very clearly does in the very issue we're talking about. So that stays true to him. Yet Carol doesn't have that same perspective. She if she lost her Zamoran abilities, she lost the ring, she lost the ability to communicate with the Zamorans, whatever, then her next goal wouldn't be how do I get this back? Her next goal is what's next, you know, and yeah. she would pursue that. So I think that's ve- I think it's very interesting to see to see both of these characters in that light again is because Carol, the way Carol is being written reminds me of the animated series, because what we see of Carol here reminds me of what we saw of Carol in the animated series until the point the ring found her and she had a a chance to go see Hal again to join him in space to do all this stuff. She doesn't have that option. She doesn't even think of that as a realistic option. And therefore her mindset is not in the perspective of the responsibilities and duties he may have of being a hero and so on and so forth. Like she, it seemed to me that Carol was only ever able to even somewhat empathize with how Jordan's disconnectedness was when she herself was in a similar situation. Anytime she wasn't, she was what, like we see her right here. Yeah. Green Lantern is who is what Hal is. Star Sapphire is something Carol does and not even all the time. Carol does Star Sapphire. Like we do this podcast. It's, it's a part of her life, but it's not the biggest part. Yeah, that's right. I quit. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that I think that I think that I think that does sum it up. Being green, yeah, being Green Lantern is much more important to Hal's identity in general. But it, and I, I also don't necessarily think that Har- that Carol is Harold. Let's do those like J Lo Harold. Uh, that we don't. That I don't think Carol necessarily the core of her is. A, now I'm not saying she's not a hero, but I'm saying that's not may not be as 
much of an element of who she is as it is for Hal anyway. So I think that's a double comp. So, but you're right. It's with, when she stars Sapphire, she can, I guess, understand personally relate to things, some of the things and the challenges that Hal has to deal with. And that part of his personality, and the further removed she is from that, that makes it easier for her to just judge him as a, as a jerk when he is being one and not trying to maybe cut him some slack. I'm kind of hoping that running into dead end with Carol is going to force Hal down some other avenues. Like, like I joked about it in the summary. I legitimately do not think Hal's brother even knows he's on earth. And like the natural, the nat, the most natural seeming thing to do would be to go see his brother and his like niece and nephew. And like, like there is a fa- a nuclear family unit with a couch. He can probably crash on that would gladly take him in. And that is, that represents the thing that I think scares him the most. Yeah. Makes sense. So what about, so what do we think about the whole, how Jordan making another, making another ring relatively effortlessly? <laughs> I, I couldn't, but I don't get me wrong. The ending of this, this house story this time around, this is a great ending, but I had to laugh because the last volume of Green Lantern went way out of its way to get rid of Hal's super special homemade ring and give him back a normal ring. And then this, this issue, this run immediately, he gives up back his regular ring and makes a new super special homemade ring. Which will be interesting just to see how it how it performs because of the fact that he's in theory he should have no power battery. Yeah, so, well, uh, well that's the thing. Before, like, before we get too far, I think you guys are wrong about this. I think this is his regular ring. It was just invisible. I see, it, think it, so. it was depowered and it was invisible. See that, and to be fair, and this is not a CYA. This is what when Dan was talking about reading about it, I I read the whole book as Hal had the ring, but he didn't have any power. Yeah, but it's still so that's not a but to be fair, that's not a huge. Co- it would be really odd and it would be Dan's absolutely right. It would be funny as hell. It's like, oh, how made his ring as opposed to having it on him. But the reality is we still don't understand. It's still going to be remaining to be seen how how this is going to function for Hal because of the fact that if it's if he didn't make another ring, if he just recharged the ring that he had, then that should last for like a day. <laughs> Yeah, I, don't know. I, th- I think I, th- I think it's I think it's a regular ring that was invisible. Just speaking to all of like the references to past thing, Hal's past alcoholism, his past past um, relationships, blah, 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 his past suit design. We might be seeing a return of some of the powers we haven't seen in a while, including those that we don't think about that much, like all the times the ring just went invisible so he could be in a civilian identity. Yeah, that would be cool. And I hopefully he'll say something about the next issue if that's the case. But like when I see like when like his internal monologue on top of the trailer talks about how he like, you know, he told those United Planets where they could stick their rings and be when he quit. And then we get that shot of him grabbing the the truck keys that that should clearly show you his right hand with no ring on it. Like I got the impression that he was like completely depowered and like, I don't know how he got back to earth. Somebody, somebody drove him or he, he uh, released the ring. We got here or he took a spaceship or something, but I was on the, under the impression there was no ring until he made one. He willed it into existence. But if you go which back, I think, go Oh God, no, go finish your sentence. which if he does, if he did make this ring himself a second time, 
I think it would be more limited than the last time because he was like some kind of willpower god or something when he forged. Yeah, he forged, literally forged it as opposed to. Yeah, so I think like if this is a a ring he made himself, it would have a lot of problems. He would need to recharge it. I would assume he has a battery stashed in his old locker at Ferris or something. But I I also wonder, because we... I hope we get to explore how the United Planets runs the core because I could see them saying like, oh yeah, he quit. Yeah. Yeah. Flip that switch, turn his battery off. He doesn't need that. If you go back and look at the beginning of the, of the issue, it certainly points to the fact that he, he has the ring because it, him rescuing those miners or the construction workers happens in real time because Carol's watching it on TV. And then she tries, and then she, tr- and then she goes to avoid Hal afterwards. So it would seem that he had his ring and he came to earth for whatever charge he had when he left when he left and then he just ran out of charge does it because or because uh, i thought that i i'm this issue jumps back and forth in time a bunch and i assumed that the rescue at the beginning happened after he well would that make sense it says no. it happened earlier. I don't know. This was the scene. That was the scene at the Ellis Mine outside of town earlier today, making the news official that Green Lantern has returned. And that's when she's on the phone and she right before she's about trying to get out of Dodge yeah. to avoid Hal. So Hal that was, does not Hal does not have his conversation with Carol or any of his interactions with Carol until after the last page of this story. He is oh. already Green Lantern again. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's, right. I got you. I got you. So it's not. So the story itself is not told in chronological order in the issue. No. Yeah. No. Uh, I, okay. I, so it okay. still leaves it to interpretation what happened. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if 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 I had to give this issue one one uh, jab, it's it would be that I I do think the bouncing back and forth in time got a little bit confusing, but not really to the detriment to the enjoyment of the overall thing. Just in terms of like, and like, and to be fair, I didn't even th- really think about it until our conversation right now. Also, to the note, uh, and I forget which one of you said it, so I apologize. To the note of the United Planets just turning off the power battery, um, I don't think they can. Uh, I don't like, again, lots of reading between the lines here, but that's what we have to do when we only have so much information. I think, because based on the interviews we've heard, we've heard both uh, creators say that they've not gone out of their way, but for lack of a better term, to make sure that they're not just throwing away everything Dor- Thorne did. So there is no central power battery on Oa. There's the weird source thing that happened at the end of Thorne's run. That's still in canon. That's still happening. I don't think they have access to slash understand what that is to be able to switch off the battery. Good point. Um, so um, I think I like... Are, are they probably in charge of the politics and the assignments and who goes where and what and what they're doing? Probably. But I don't think they have real, any real understanding of the mechanics of it, which would lend to probably some of Hal's frustration is le- like the Guardians have a fi- an understanding of not just what they want the Green Lantern Corps to do. They have an understanding of the power. They invented the power. They, you know, they ha- all seeing, all knowing type of deity beings. And these are politicians playing with a power they don't understand and have no control over. Agreed. All right. John Stewart? Well, should we mention about about Hoodie Sinestro? We kind of didn't talk about that. 
Yeah, I think I, you know, you said one detriment, uh, uh, Dan, of being like the the disjointed storytelling. I have not liked the images I have seen of 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 you know street hoodlum Sinestro. Um, but again, you know, alien villain on Earth on incognito. I mean, what do they do in like every Marvel movie? Anytime someone has to go incognito, they put on a hood, a hat, and some sunglasses, and they're incognito all of a sudden. Like, well, he, you know, they're like us. <laughs> Except for that skin color and those pointy ears, but <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, I think it's. I, I think the only thing we can go off of there is he's in Coast City. He's keeping you know, quote unquote, a close eye on the situation or whatever. And all we can go on is solicit. So I don't. I don't know what to think about that just yet. All I can go is off of what I've seen artistically that I don't personally like, but that's subjective. So I don't know. I am going like based entirely off of this one page. I am going to I am I just have this feeling. I haven't read anything. I feel like we are supposed to think Sinestro is this villain lurking in the shadows waiting to strike. I think it's going to be the exact opposite. I think he he's in hiding. I think he came to Cal- to Co City cuz he wants Hal's help. And I think he probably knows something about the mysterious reason why the sector was quarantined. Mm. But yeah, I I fully expect like Sinestro to be an ally in this story, but the story is going to want us to think that he's a villain closing in. I have nothing to back this up. I just get I read that page where he sits in a booth in a bar next to the concept art that they showed up off when they announced this book. And I just get that vibe. Hmm. Or he just misses Hal so much. <laughs> I love you, man. That's the tragedy one- of all this Jordan. Oh, God. I know oh, I walked God. into that. One. Gotta, <laughs> I gotta hate that. That was so uh, stupid. It was so cool. You just <laughs> hate having feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it was inherently stupid that that was the question that all related to that was the question how was going to ask Sinestro before he got killed were we ever friends come on that makes him sound like he's that makes him sound like he's five or he's like, I mean there 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 was a bit of a Leia Hal Jordan Carbonite sequence to that it's like <laughs> I love you I know what <laughs> uh, yeah. one, one more thing one more thing before we move on to John uh that drone sequence. That was like, like ninety eight percent that one scene from Top Gun Maverick, right? Which yeah, was it's, it was also that scene from Green Lantern. Yeah, but let's remember the good movie. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> like even the thing Hal says, like he even like like flies in between the two younger pilots and says like "Good morning, aviators," blah yeah. blah blah blah, and he blows up the drone doing like the super dangerous pull up maneuver against the cliff which is the well, whole point of the movie the mission in the movie and it's like let's let's be honest Hal Jordan is is slash was Chuck Yeager nobody knows who the fuck Chuck Yeager is anymore so who's our modern equivalent Maverick. you know and who just had a <laughs> massive movie i know i know it's just funny to see it be like that exact of a reference i'm okay with on the nose references as long as they're not you know too frequent. Yeah. Meanwhile, happened to, uh, taking place at the same time Hal is rescuing a bunch of miners is uh, the John Stewart story. Well, at least part of it. Did I you that little detail the the news is broadcasting on his mother's TV in the kitchen. 
Oh, I didn't notice that. Yep. That's cool. Yep. I think this is a really interesting opening chapter to pair with the the Hal story we just read. Because both Hal and John find themselves back on Earth without with or without rings and and have to figure out what to do with their lives from there. And Hal is completely lost. He is rudderless. He has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't feel like he fits anymore. John welcomes the downtime and embraces the family that he left behind and doesn't want to leave and go to space anymore. So it's like they're starting at such such different places with such different perspectives and hopes it's it's i don't know if this was planned but it works like really nicely i like too that it doesn't read too much like uh a definitive one way or the other between how is john seeing this is john seeing this as retirement or is john seeing this as shore leave i don't know because like he he's not technically a green lantern anymore he's not technically a guardian he is an ascended being he has all the power that comes with it but he's not officially part of the green lantern Corps anymore so he can like he can be if he wants to but he has more freedom he's kind of unmoored from any responsibility that he doesn't want to live up to anymore so he could, for the first time in his life, he could really go anywhere, do anything, be anything. He just has to figure out what he wants. And I love the fact that when that that the whole thing with the shed, like it's John Stewart. So when he has to to really get down back to basics and figure himself out, what does he do? He builds something. Mm-hmm. I like to, and I mentioned this to. Phil Kennedy Johnson in the interview, the first shot we see of, of John Stewart in this book, he's smiling and I didn't mention it in the interview, but he's also backlit and surrounded by butterflies. <laughs> this is probably the happiest John Stewart we've seen in a long time. Oh, um, God, yeah. So that's, that's interesting to see. I like the art here. I think the arts, I th- first of all, I think the arts both match the story that is being told in each of them very well. I think, I think they're very well done here. The green lantern sequences here, uh, especially maybe with the coloring, shading, uh, shadows effects here. Reminds me of Earth 2 and the way the Green Lantern power was portrayed there. That's true. Um, uh, so especially when it gets real sketchy when things start lighting up. So it does remind me a lot of Green Lantern Earth 2. I think it's cool. Of course, you know, uh, Philip mentioned the new oath. And yeah, you know, it makes sense that we, we've seen personalized oaths for lanterns across the cores at different times. It was just a matter of, you know, was that oath the same oath as ours that everybody said? It was just a different version because we're in a different universe or a different whatever. Uh, or is this a personalized oath to the individual lantern? Because I think, when was it we saw that one oath from a lantern? No, was it? No, it was um, uh, Legion of Three Worlds, right? Sodom had a different oath because he was in the future and it was kind of like a combination of the Green Lantern Corps and the Sinestro Corps and I think maybe one other. Um, and I, it was kind of referencing the fact that it was it was a re- it was also referencing like the history that we didn't see, like the, right. the yeah the things that he was trying to to live down. 
Right. And I thought it was cool because like, you know, just for that reason, like you're just by changing the oath, you're telling a lot of the story. Like we know this is the same continuity, quote unquote, but it's supposed to be the future. So what had just the oath alone makes you question what has happened in the past. But I think after speaking with Philip that it's very clear, he just wanted to give somebody an oath, like because we, (laughs) you know, we've he likes verse and he likes stuff. And, you know, we've seen that. Jack has Jack T. Chance has his own oath, Rotlop fan, so on and so forth. We've seen different, especially it was like big around the 80s when we saw a lot of because that's when we saw a lot of the Green Lantern core backups and stuff like that. So even if it was like a one off, like like I just felt like being different, like it's it implies so much about the world that even if that stuff never get paid, gets paid off, it makes this whole environment these characters are inhabiting feel more expansive and lived in and purposeful. Like, like something he is really good at is world building. And we're seeing that in so many, like, like we only see this world for like five pages in this issue. And it feels like so much of a real place that I kind of can't believe it because this this is I, unless I grossly misread it. This is supposed to be the same world from the Dark Crisis one shot, yeah. Which may, which was also written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, but that like like this world in that one shot because of the nature of the story and when it came out made the world feel kind of flat and disposable. Yet here we go in five pages. I can see, like, I can imagine so many stories taking place here just based on, like, like little details and touches. Yeah. We should say, by the way, that new oath is, uh, I am the lantern in the, in the dark, the torch that batters back the night. Let evil cower in the light of all who wears the lantern mark. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a little awkward at first because it doesn't follow the same, the same, uh, Beat. I can't think of the word. Yeah, the same beat as the oaths we're used to, but you know it works. And just so what's, s- is it uh, iambic parameter? What's it the could f- be iambic, yeah, yeah, iambic, iambic pentameter, yeah, maybe. Yeah, there you go. No. Yeah, it's nice. What do we think of the Revenant Queen? Because I did ask uh, Philip if, if if this was connected in any way to the emotional spectrum, and he didn't want to comment. But mm-hmm. you can't help but notice that this seems to be somewhat a crossover between. Um, some of the similarities between uh, the the power of avarice and the the black ring. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's got. I mean, seeing uh, dead bodies wake up and be her soldiers definitely gives me a blackest night vibe. But at the same time, she's like tethered to them with purple light. So I don't know. I don't know if this is a spectrum thing or if it's supposed to be magic or or. I don't know. It's one of those things where like it's it's a whole other universe, so it could be anything. Yeah. Yeah, it could also it could be also tied like more to uh indigo. Also uh, indigo and it it, it seems it would seem to be not just because of the color, but just even the way the fonts and the way things are being used, that it would seem if it's not related to the Black Lantern Corps, and again seeing it could very well be related to related to indigo and the ability to channel other other parts of the spectrum. You know what would be cool? Since she's a villain for John, if it's somehow Yeah, if it's connected to Ultraviolet, because like, oh, okay, I can I can reanimate these corpses 
with, by like feeding on like their I don't know their unfinished business tied to all like their like their rep- repressed negativity or whatever. Like I don't know. I'm sure you can you can point to them uh, the listeners to a specific uh, video from your channel or one that's coming in the future. But as much as I tried to read that Justice League series, there were it was a very wordy series. And personally, it didn't really suck me in. I felt like trying to understand what was happening in it for the John, you know, ring tattoo and all that other stuff was me just trying to make an effort to understand that as opposed to actually enjoying the story that was being told. I'm told there was a lot of cool stuff that happened in it, but like I just I couldn't get past some of the just sheer info dump of that series. Can you give any listeners at home? Because I know you've you're more familiar with it than I of the ultraviolet side of things. Well, fortunately for you, Chad, you can go to John Stewart and the history of a fatal mistake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, basically what it is, is like the ultraviolet light is fueled by all of the, the repressed negativity that you push down to avoid dealing with it. And the le- the more time you, you, ignore it the more it festers and builds and becomes stronger and kind of the re- the release valve to gain control of yourself is is to finally acknowledge it and be open and honest about it and that's kind of what john did with his with his friends to kind of get control of himself back because like it's this whole idea that if you let it fester and grow, it will consume you until it's it's the driving force in your life and you kind of become a villain. And when John kind of worked past that, he he like the like the uh, I've, I'm skipping over stuff, but it's OK. And like so like a really cool detail about the ultraviolet power is that there is no physical ring or battery. You are the battery. The ring is a tattoo that appear that like burns itself into your finger because there is no separation between you and this power. There is no outside influence. It comes entirely from you. It is an honest expression of all of your regret, all of your jealousy, all like everything that you've ever felt bad about but wanted to run away from. And for a while so there. So, so it's the antithesis of willpower in a different way that than fear is it's willpower is rising above facing things head on the ultraviolet is refusing to deal with it yes okay and like the thing that i like so much about it like the reason ultraviolet has such potential because we haven't seen it since that first arc of uh the justice league series leading into the justice doom war because john overcame it and kind of flooded that that framework within himself with willpower. And for a while, he had like a tattoo ring of a Green Lantern symbol. And like that was his ring for a while. But the capacity to be an ultraviolet lantern again is always going to be there. It just needs the right trigger. You know, it just needs the right feelings to to start to bubble. So if we have a villain that could stir that back up in him... Like that could be real. That could have a lot of potential. Like, like the thing that I love about these rings so much is that, especially true with the ultraviolet, is that what color John is glowing at the moment can be a, an immediate visual indicator of how well he is or is not dealing with 
with the emotional turmoil that the villain is putting him through. You know what I just thought about? And I am fully willing to admit uh, this is uh, a, a pie in the sky idea. Uh, it's a Jim Ford level prediction. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, it'd be really interesting. It's just something I thought about just based on your description of all of that. What if the Bright Revenant is, uh, and I guess the Revenant Queen and all this, is kind of like this universe's paling version? Huh? Paling? No. Is this your version's, uh, this universe's version of um, Graven for John? It is him. It is a part of him. Or in the case of the Revenant Queen, his mother, his sister, whatever. Like, I don't I don't know. Like, I, would, I don't, wouldn't necessarily go that far. But the obsession with Jon Stewart, the, you know, the, the fact that we're talking about another universe and, you know, no, another universes are usually like the whole butterfly effect. Something changed in the story to change the, the outcome. So. You know, what if what if somehow it's a, another version? And we've we just dealt with a story where we were kind of having two versions of John and stuff like that. So do I think we're going like there's all kinds of reasons for not thinking this is the thing. But I like part of me would be was thinking that would be really interesting for half a second if it was like this universe is in some way uh, akin to this universe's version of John Stewart's own version of Graven. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm confused about Graven. Graven is Darkseid's son. Oh, not Graven. Fucking, what am I saying? I don't know. Because I'm not sure <laughs> what confuses what's me. What's the nightmare just... version of Kyle? Oh, Oblivion. Oh, Oblivion. Yes, Oblivion. <laughs> I forgot his name for a second. Because right, my, well, well, my, my mind was like Nero, and it's like, no, it's not fucking Nero. I was like, oh, Graven. I was like, oh, fucking Graven then. Say say it smoothly if you want, so when I edit it, maybe I can take all the shit out. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's, okay. it's fine. Let people hear it. I don't care. But that would be cool. Like, if this is, like, a manifestation, like, if this is where, like, John put a bunch of his... Because remember, like, this was supposed to be, like, the perfect world where he could lead the perfect life. So maybe part of that was removing a lot of the bad shit inside of him and sending it, like, casting it out into space where it just, like, developed into this being, like... Yeah, exactly. Be, that could be cool. Also, you 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 touched on something in there that I want to point out because it's something I didn't think about until like today. So this other world does not have a John Stewart. This was a world where our John Stewart was put to keep him imprisoned. So when he and and when he was in that world. He was the biggest and most powerful superhero. He fought the Bright Revenant when the Bright Revenant was powerful enough to like kill half of the Green Lantern Corps. I don't but, think that's the case. I don't think that like, and, and I'm gonna have to re-listen to a bunch of interviews and stuff like that. But I think this this world existed and still exists, and with John in it. Okay, that's interesting. I think, I think it's another part of the multiverse. I am not confident in that answer as I am other answers I've said tonight. But like I if I remember if I'm understanding the interviews I like I did research before I spoke to Philip and stuff like that, plus the stuff I've heard since then, 
I, I'm pretty sure we're just basically treating it like another world in the multiverse. It exists. It always has existed. It is the story, and based on how Philip Kennedy Johnson describes it, there was never a Justice League. There was never a Superman. John Stewart was the hero of Earth and was the only hero there ever needed to be. Okay, because a question I had was, like, did Pariah actually make all these worlds or did he just pull ideal more idealized ones from the multiverse and put them in them because like when just based on how the mechanics of dark crisis worked there was no john in that world until pariah put this john in there at which point he became the most powerful superhero in the universe but he left that universe behind and if that universe then persisted, that means any threat that warranted John's personal attention would effectively be unstoppable because there's no other hero or heroes in the universe powerful enough to stand up to it. Which means he's going, John, like our John is in a position where he kind of wants to stay down to earth with his family for a while but there might be a universe out there that literally can't survive without his help. So uh, like so our John may be, may be their John. Exactly. Yeah, I, not just in different. I, it could be either or honestly, I, not, let's be, let's be honest. Nothing was ever clear about Pariah and the dark crisis multiverses. Yeah. All right. Anything else that we want to talk about for either of these stories? Um, mm, I don't know. Good start, though. Good. St- I, the John- Very strong start. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the I'm not familiar as much with the with the Revenant stuff from in the previous versions of that we've gotten of this. Uh, but it's in- but the world that we're dealing with and the events with Guy and everything, that's that's intriguing enough to, to, to hook me in. So I think I do think when you look at both stories combined, I think it's a very, very solid start. And certainly with two writers that seem to get their main character, at least. At least as of now. <laughs> Do we think this uh, Shepard character is going to come back and be a thing in the John story? He may play in a Herald type role in finding John and then just die. Okay. I mean, I'd like to see more of him. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with Mark. Like this, this was an incredibly strong start for both writers, for both, for both uh full creative teams, honestly. Yeah. And like part of me can't wait. Like, I can't wait to see the John story spin off into a full size, full length book. Mm -hmm. But also, I never thought I would get this much like satisfaction out of an eight page backup. So, yeah, I as far as I'm concerned, they're doing like they're other than a little bit of confusion in the Hal book in the Hal part that we talked about. And I guess a little in the John part, but. It's they did basically everything right and i loved this issue no it's really good i think my only criticism and i don't i I would take this with a fat grain of salt everybody because it's it's really personal preference uh more than anything i'm not a fan of the cover the main cover oh yeah Uh, i would have preferred one of the other variants be the cover I, i get this one in terms of representing the characters that are going to be in it and some of the stuff that we see in the issue and so on and so forth, a hundred percent, whatever, uh, maybe part of it, there's too much yellow on it for me. I, I don't know what artistically is speaking out to me wrongly about this, 
Personally, my absolute favorite cover of this is the Daniel Sampre 1 in 25 variant where Hal is flying with a bunch of jets and yep. another pilot is giving him a thumbs up from the cockpit. Uh, and then a close second is the Ivan Reese uh, variant. Uh, I'm just, you know, a proponent of Ivan Reese. Um, I, I really like the one where he it's the split cover and he's like knocking on Carol's door in the rain with the wilting construct flowers. And she's just locking the door on the other side. For sure. There's also a one in 100 uh, Zermanico card stock variant, which is basically just the splash page we see at the end of the story of how lighting up, which okay. is cool, but spoilery. So yeah. I, that is a really cool moment page turn reveal. So I, uh, you know, whatever. The main I, I, cover, the main cover of this issue looks like it should be the bo- like the Blu-ray box art for a Green Lantern animated movie. Yeah, yeah, it, it, I have no problem with it. Art, art again, artistic. It's just subjectively, I'm not. Maybe it's like the watercolor style because it's also done by Zermanico, uh, but it's clearly a different, I don't know, brush or pen or whatever. Like it's 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 a different style. Um, yeah, and, it's different media, different every different approach. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and the the intensity of yellow on this cover is interesting to me. Um, but again, all of that, there's nothing wrong with the art itself. Carol looks great. I like the face, uh, the facial details in Kilowog. Everybody's wearing a fucking hood. Who's an alien? Apparently, <laughs> um, uh, you know, Sinestro's eyes in the background. That'll look. How looks good. Like all this stuff. It's just personally, I would have gone with a different cover. Yeah, I agree. But hey, guys, we finally got it. We finally got an issue where Green Lanterns go home to Earth and have Earth problems and Earth families and Earth jobs. And it matters that they've been in space for years. Oh, hey, we finally got an issue of Green Lantern. Let's just say it that way. Yes, that's that's (laughs) actually where I thought he was going with it. (laughs) It's like, not a rumor, not a dream. It really has happened. Did we have anything else we wanted to get to tonight? No. I'm good. I think so. All right, Dan, tell people where they can find you. You can go over to youtube.com slash C slash mosaic comics, where as of like an hour from when we're recording this, the channel has been around for three whole years. And I'm not going to stop and you can't make me, damn it. Uh, But yeah, it's just it's been a, a great positive part of my life since COVID started. And I'm just glad that that weird hobby I decided to take up is still going and I'm still excited to do it. And hopefully anybody who's listening to this that wants to hear more Green Lantern love and appreciation and dissection will go on over to Mosaic Comics on YouTube and just enjoy being a Green Lantern fan with me. Yes, please do. And if people want to reach out to us and talk about this new series, Mark, how do they do so? Email is lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook and Facebook, hashtag geocast, hashtag Facebook. <laughs> We're going to have a podcast, Spotify and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Lanterncast Vids is our YouTube channel. Go check that out. If you'd like to leave us a text or a voicemail, 708 Lantern, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. Uh, also, don't forget, guys, we are still in the middle of May, which means JL May is still continuing. So find our previous episode for the links to um, the other podcasts participating in that event, as that will be going throughout this month. And uh, those links will help take you to those uh, those episodes of content as they release throughout the rest of this month. 
Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.